Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. If you're familiar with Calvary Chapel, you'll notice something consistent no matter where you go. I know when we go on vacation, we look for a Calvary Chapel to attend their services. And what I love is I always feel like I'm home. And I think the, um, the one factor that I know I can always count on is that the Word of God will be given priority in their services. Um, and I'm not going to demean any other um, denomination, but many take a very small snippet of Scripture and they do maybe a 10-minute sermon and there's not much else that, uh, that comes out of the Word of God in their messages. For, for me, I did grow up in another denomination. I was raised in a denomination for f- almost 40 years where the Word of God was not given uh, priority. And you don't know what you don't know until you start to find that out. And boy, I didn't know much about the Bible at all. And it, it kind of saddens me that I was in a denomination for that long, uh, supposedly a Christian denomination, and I did not know much about the Bible. So when I started to attend a Calvary Chapel, I was really, I was blown away, first of all, that so many things were in the Scriptures that I didn't know. And then I started to really allow the Word to just pour over me, and um, it's amazing when you start to really dig in, when you immerse yourself in the Word, that it becomes part of your life, which is what the Bible is supposed to do. The Bible is supposed to be God's Word to humanity, and it's supposed to be used to show us who He is, and also to show us who we are because we sometimes see ourselves in a different light than what reality is and the way God sees us. You know, God sees us as worthy of the sacrifice of His Son. And He desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of Him. How do we come to the knowledge of God? How do we come to the knowledge of an eternal being except by looking into his love story to humanity to find out who he is so that we can grow in our relationship with him. And there's one chapter, if you want to call it a chapter in the Bible, that really, for the most part, is the Bible's take on the Bible. It's a self-commentary, so to speak, on everything in the Scriptures, And that's Psalm 119. Now, it has 176 verses. And so, how do we go through that on a Sunday morning without taking two or three hours? Well, we won't. But I will go through it and point out some interesting things that Psalm 119 tells us. The first thing is, Psalm 119 is almost exclusively about the Scriptures. It teaches us why and how to love God's Word. And the Word of God itself is actually referenced 170 times out of the 170 verse, 76 verses. So you can see that it's prominent throughout. And it's designed to help us learn to take His Word in and then live it out. You know, because the Bible says we're supposed to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. So there are certain things that we need to receive from the Lord, understand who God is, and then understand 
what our response should be to that. And that's kind of what we're going to do this morning. Many times throughout the Bible, God's Word is referred to as His law. And being we have a few uh, law enforcement people in the congregation today, they'll understand that the law, if we think of it in terms of society, is, the, is that thing that is supposed to give control over society. It compels us to do or not to do certain things, to obey certain guidelines. And in general, it, it's out there for the good of society, that if you follow the law, that it will be beneficial to you and to everyone that you come in contact with. God's law, or God's Bible, is similar to that. It gives us rules to live by. It gives us direction and it give us, gives us guidelines, but it's so much more than just rules. And again, there are some that would teach that, that, God's, uh, that the scriptures are all about rules, all about regulations. We got to do this. We can't do that. People will ask, well, can we do this as a Christian? Can we do that as a Christian? And the, the Bible will show us certain things, and then it will guide us to seek and search for the Holy Spirit to convict us individually of those things. Psalm 119 reveals the benefit of keeping the law of God. And the entirety of scriptures are designed to heighten our appreciation for the goodness of God toward us and the kindness of God. So again, it has 176 verses. It has more verses than 13 entire Old Testament books. Think about that. It has more verses than 17 New Testament books. And it's larger than 30 out of the 66 books in the Bible. This one chapter in the book of Psalms. It's arranged in a certain way that would allow, at the time that it was written and after that, that it would allow for people to be able to memorize it. It's one of the acrostic poems in the Bible. Acrostics are, helped, are designed to help memorize. Children were encouraged to, mes- to memorize Psalm 119 because of this arrangement that would help them remember each verse or each, actually it's broken up into sections of eight. This is an example of an acrostic. We think about grace, the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. So we see the first letters of that acrostic spell out the word grace. Romans 3.24 speaks about being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we see that that will remind us, that acrostic can remind us. Something else that you may think about, the word gossip, the acrostic that helps remember what God has to say about gossip, giving others some strife instead of peace. We can remember that God's word has a lot to say about about that in Proverbs 26.20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there are no tailbearers, strife ceases. So if there's no one to spread the gossip, it'll put itself out. So it's divided into 22 stanzas, and each stanza stands for a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, comprised of eight verses. So very simple in that day. It doesn't translate into English, but in the Hebrew alphabet, we can see how that's, how that's done. So each of the eight verses begin with the same Hebrew letter. So we have like the first eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph. The second begin with the Hebrew letter Beth and so on until all 22 letters of the Hebrew al- alphabet are used. And so it makes it easy to memorize in the original language. Some common themes in Psalm 119 righteousness, all about the Word of God or about God's character, trustworthiness, truthfulness, faithfulness, 
The immutability of God. The immutability means that God never changes. That God's the same. Something that we can count on. You know, in, 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 in our world, in our lives, everything changes all the time. We can hardly keep up. Things change so quickly. We know that we can count on God. We can count on His Word because it's immutable. It's eternal. It gives us light. It makes us pure. It shows us how to live righteously in this world. And then within those themes, there are certain sub-themes in Psalm 119. We're going to go through a few of them. The psalmist, as he does in many of the psalms, tells us about his afflictions. It gives us an opportunity to be able to relate to what he's going through. In verse 28 of Psalm 119, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And then in verse 153, Look on my affliction. This is his prayer to the Lord. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Notice where the psalmist gets his strength. He gets it from the word of God. And he memorizes and brings to mind God's word. And when he does that, and when we do that, we can be delivered from afflictions, from trials, from difficulties. How often do we find ourselves in distress, and yet many times we don't turn to God's word that has the answers for us. It also speaks of God's goodness and his mercy. When we study the Bible, we discover God's goodness And we need to be constantly reminded of God's goodness. Why? Because when we look at our circumstances, sometimes we misinterpret them as God not being good. But God is always good. Verse 64 says, The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. His love is unending. Verse 68, and these are all in Psalm 119, You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. So the psalmist here is saying, I need to understand your goodness, God. I need to be constantly reminded that you are good even though my circumstances tell me something else. Remind me, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Show me your word. And then we see another sub-theme here opposition to the psalmist by the wicked. You know, I love the Bible because it doesn't leave out the accounts of persecution and adversity. Everyone, all the characters in the scriptures, we don't see them uh, just living out perfect lives without any troubles. And we don't tell that to people. We don't tell them, oh, when you come to the Lord, all your troubles will go away. You'll have no more trials in your life. Because that's not true. And sometimes they're placed on us by wicked people. Verse 110 says, The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. And verse 157, Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. You know how many times you may want to just make a right turn when you're going through difficulties. It shows us in the, in the Bible that no matter what, we shouldn't depart from His Word. Where do you turn when people are against you? Where, do you? where do you turn when maybe people are against you, even for your faith? Don't make that right turn. Don't swerve away from the Word of God. Dig in even more when people are are coming against you. And then we see the psalmist's intense desire to be taught God's word. You know, when we come together, when we gather in this place, we should have an intense desire in our hearts to be taught God's word, to learn more about him. And what I love is that the Bible says that The natural man cannot comprehend the things of God. But those things are taught by the Holy Spirit. When you 
begin a relationship, when you start to walk with the Lord, you're indwelt now with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to understand the Bible. Because in our own strength, with our own minds, there's a lot of things we can't understand. Many of us maybe have started to read the Bible and we don't get it. It doesn't make sense to us. We can't understand it. And that's a very common thing. But before we read the scriptures, we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us through those things. Verse 12 of Psalm 119, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I need to learn from you, God. I need to have, the Bible also says, we have the mind of Christ as believers, that we can understand and we can comprehend the things that God wants us to know. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the ways of your precepts. In other words, in other words, Lord, I need to see what your word is telling me and I need to be able to understand and comprehend so that I can now apply it to my life and I can walk in your ways, that I can live a righteous life before you. Again, referring to 1 Corinthians 2, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. You know, our wisdom is limited, but God's wisdom is unlimited. And then we see the power of God's word, the power. How many times we go through this life when we just feel like we're weak, we feel like we don't have any power, we can't go on. There's a burden that's weighing us down. And we need the power of the Lord to go forward. What does the psalmist say in verse 11? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think of that as like storing up your pantry with extra supplies so that when you start to run low, you go back and you pull those things out. I store up your word in my heart. Are you doing that? Are you, are you remembering the Word of God? Are you immersed in it daily so that it just builds and builds into your life? That when you feel weak, you can go to those things. You can pull them out and you can use them to get forward, to get through those things that are going on. If you lack power in your life as a believer, read and meditate on God's Word. Ask Him to empower you so that you can live according to His ways. In verse 129, it says, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. Keep His Word in your heart. Keep His Word in your soul so that when you feel like you're getting empty, you can get yourself filled by God's Word. And it is powerful. Verse Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Look what the word of God can do in your life. It can cut through those things that you can't see clearly. It can give you discernment when you don't know which way to go. It knows your intents and your motivation. Don't think that doing something for selfish motives is going to get past God, but because the Word of God will seek that out. You notice that as you read, sometimes you're convicted of those things, that you may not be doing something for the right or proper motives, that you're not seeking to glorify Him. God's Word will show you that. That's how powerful His Word is. Did you ever read His Word and say, Lord, I'm cut to the heart from this? Did you ever hear a teaching and just get convicted because God's showing you something in in your own life that needs to be taken away? And then we see the psalmist's longing for God's salvation. In verse 81, my soul longs for your word, for your salvation. I hope in your word. 
You see the connection here. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. What's the connection between the word of God and salvation? Well, salvation comes from knowing Jesus and understanding his sacrifice for our sins. And the entire Bible points toward Christ. Jesus himself said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. You may think that the story of Jesus started in the New Testament, but actually it started in the book of Genesis, and it runs all the way through. It's the central theme, it's the thread that weaves through the entire scripture that holds it all together. It testifies of Jesus Christ. So salvation is knowing God and trusting in Him and believing in Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And then the psalmist talks about his complete trust in the Word of God. And you know, trust is something, you know, we talk about trust in relationships. When we have, uh, you know, our marriage meetings or when we counsel couples, that there needs to be trust there. You need to be able to trust one another. Well, we need to be trusting in God's Word. We need to believe and understand that His Word will not lie to us. And it won't contradict that we need to put our faith fully on the Scriptures. And why should we do that? In verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's firmly fixed, the word of God. There's no changing. We can count on it. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. You know, culture today speaks of of truth in a different way. When you speak to a lot of people about truth, they'll tell you, well, uh, truth is relative. That means you may believe something is true, but I may believe something else is true. And we should both be able to be right. But if you think about it, truth doesn't work that way. If it's true, it's true. And if it's not true, guess what it is? It's false. And that's what God's word is. It's always true. And it can never disappoint. And it has to be able to be trusted in an ever-changing world. We need to know that when we go back to the scriptures... Each time, we can trust that it's going to tell us the truth. And the psalmist goes on, and he speaks about persecution, and he speaks about affliction. And again, I think that's so important for us. Because there are so many times in our days that we go through persecution, that we go through affliction. But look what the psalmist says here in verse 67 of Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Well, that's kind of strange. Because he's saying that before I was afflicted, I was going astray. I was doing my own thing. But the affliction, the trial, was actually good for him. Why? Because it brought him back to the scriptures. Look what he says in verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Do you pray that? I know, it's not easy. Afflict me, Lord. Give me trials, God. That's not really on our top ten of prayers. But the psalmist here is saying, it was good. It was good that I was afflicted. I went back to your word. It drew me back. 
We need to view our afflictions and our troubles as opportunities for God to teach us something that maybe we couldn't learn any other way. You ever go back and look at some of the trials that you've been through and realize that God may have been trying to teach you something over and over again before that, but then he took you through a trial, he allowed an affliction in your life, and now you see more clearly. And now you went back to his word, and you understand more deeply than you ever would have before. You have a different perspective because you went through a trial, because you went through affliction, and you went back to his word, and you keep his word. James Chapter 1 teaches us, and again, very difficult verse to, to memorize and to, and to apply. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Well, we're an impatient people, aren't we? We look for the shortest line at the supermarket. When... Uh, video is loading on our computer and it takes more than 10 seconds. It's, we wonder what we need to do for those 10 seconds. We're very impatient. God's Word teaches us patience. And many times, God's, God uses trials for a greater purpose in our lives. Producing something in us that we really need, that we couldn't get anywhere else. And then we see that purifying quality of God's Word. How we want to live as believers, pure lives, unstained by the things of the world, righteous before Him. Not that we're self-righteous, not that we're better than anyone else, but that we want to glorify God with our lives. And His Word will help us do that. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. We guard our hearts according to the word of God. I hold back my my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. We're kept pure from from the world and its filth by continuing to read and study the Bible. D.L. Moody said, The Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Don't we see that? Don't we see that sometimes, how it works out in our lives? That the more that we're in the Scriptures, it just purifies us. It allows us to walk in a way that's pleasing to Him, but then we fall into maybe a pattern of repetitive sin, and we don't read the Bible. Maybe we feel like we don't want that conviction. So we stay away. And then hopefully, prayerfully, we come back. And we need to meditate on God's Word. That's another thing that the psalmist is telling us. He says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You know, which is why I think it's important for Christians to get into the Word early in the day. So that it now takes you through. Did you ever notice that when you do devotionals or when you're reading the Word on a daily basis and you do it early in the morning, that you sometimes, it comes back throughout the day. Oh, I remember that. Or, an, or, or an, an, a circumstance or a situation pops up that you can apply those things that you've learned throughout the day. And you meditate on that. To meditate is to ponder or to mull over something. And that's what we should do with the Bible. We should have it in our minds all the time. The question for us as believers is, do we love God's law? Do we love it? You know, most laws we don't love. Sorry, guys. 
Most laws we really don't love. But they're intended to keep us safe and point us in the right, right direction. Even so, God's law. We should love his law, knowing that it's going to be always beneficial for us. And not in a selfish way, but God wants to bless us. He wants to pour his blessings down upon us. And he does that as we are obedient to his law. And then the psalmist receives hope. Receives hope from God's word. You are my hiding place, verse 114, and my shield. I hope in your word. In your word. I hope in your word. You know, this sounds like David. You know, the author of Psalm 119 is um, not 100% known. But this sounds like something David would write. You know, there are times where he was actually, he was hiding out in caves from his adversaries. But I love what David does in many of the Psalms is he, first he tries his own ways at things. And then by the end, he sort of gets back and says, but, but Lord, you're my hiding place. Your word is my shield. That's what's going to protect me. That's where I need to place my hope. And in verse 166, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. Notice the connection between hope and the word of God. This world doesn't offer us hope, but there's great hope contained in the scriptures for our lives. In 12, we see the psalmist's delight in God's law. The psalmist's delight. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Do we read God's word? Do we study his word expecting wondrous things? Expecting to kind of be blown away by what we read? Because it's the word of God to humanity. It's God speaking to us. It says that all scriptures are given by inspiration of God. Inspiration. That means that they're God-breathed in the Greek. God breathed the words into the scriptures and inspired men to write them down for our benefit. We should behold the wondrous things that are in his scriptures. We should pray for the Lord to lead us in the path of his commandments and to delight in those things. What do we delight in? What are we excited about in this world? Is it worldly pursuits? Is it that next promotion? Is, that, is it that next thing that we can buy that will just spur us on? Or is it godly living? Is it seeking to honor Him and glorify Him and tell others about what He's done in our lives? Is that what we delight in? And as Christians, we make that choice every day. Every day. We can either delight in His Word or we can delight in the things of the world. We can either make Him the center and the focus of everything that we do, or we can be self-centered and do everything for ourselves. That's a choice we make. We need God to show us how to delight in His Word. So we see all these sub-themes running through Psalm 119, all about and pertaining to God's Word, the Bible. So do we make the Bible a priority? Do we seek these things out in his word? Do we ask for his word to change us into what he wants us to be? To transform us, it says, into his image. To do that work of sanctification, which is that work of sort of separating us from the things of the world for his use, for his purposes, 
Because God has a plan for each and every person. Are you living out that plan according to the Word of God? Are you seeking the Word to help guide you into the plan that He's got for your life? A perfect plan to honor and glorify Him in everything that you do. So, we're going to go through as we kind of pull this all together and go through some questions that may pop up in your idea about what the Bible is. What is the Bible? You know, why do we use the Bible in every one of our services here at Calvary Chapel? Why is it so important? Why don't we just have a more liturgical type service that we do all of these rituals and then give 10 minutes to the Word? Why did Pastor Chuck say, teach, simply teach the Word simply? Well, the Bible is purifying. Again, we see verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Our daily immersion in the cleansing word of God keeps us from the filth of this world. What is the Bible? It's our true treasure. You know, what are we what are, what is of value in in our lives? Is it our possessions? Or is it God's Word? You know, we can accumulate a lot of stuff, but is it really our treasure? Should it be our treasure? Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. God, your Word is more to me than all the stuff that I have. I rejoice at your Word as one who finds great treasure. When you read his word, when you study the Bible. You know, we used to say that there's nuggets. You know, we think of nuggets as a gold. Do you look at God's word? Do you look for those nuggets of truth? Do you treasure those things? So, what is the Bible? It's our counselor. You need counsel. Are you going through something difficult that you don't know Which way to turn? Well, his testimonies, it says, your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. We should be turning to the Bible for guidance and direction, not just as a last resort. And even when people come to us here at the church for counsel, we give biblical guidance is what we give. If it isn't in the Word of God, if it isn't supported by God's Word, we're not going to tell people what it is. I mean, we're not going to give that, that counsel. And it should be our most satisfying food. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, the world, world's delicacies, we like to eat, I like to eat, but they can't compare to the sweetness of God's word. We should seek our nourishment from the Bible instead of the things of the world. And it's our great inheritance. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are rejoicing in my heart, the rejoicing of my heart. You know, we make thorough preparation for the passing on of material possessions, but do we consider the treasure that we have that we can pass on to the next generation? You know, I, I love... Now I have a new grandchild, if you guys, some of you know... And I love singing hymns to her. And I love speaking the word of God into her. I love to be, just to be able to pass on the heritage of God's word. In a couple of weeks, I think she's going to be singing Jesus Loves Me because she, so, <laughs> she hears it so much. So what is our treasures? You know, Matthew says, it says in Matthew, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, we're always worried about our stuff. We have security systems and we make sure that things are in a safe and we're always worried about our stuff. But the Word of God and heavenly treasures, 
Nobody can take that away. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Whatever you make of value in your life will be the most important thing. And it brings blessings. It brings blessings. Verse 1 and 2. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord, and blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. We're blessed when we read, we study, and we apply God's word to our lives. Psalm 1, and two, Psalm 1 verse 1 and 2, right the very beginning of the whole book of Psalms speaks about these blessings. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. That's where we receive our blessings. What does the Bible do? It gives life. Many verses speak about the life-giving power of the Word of God. My soul clings to the dust, in verse 25. Revive me, how? According to your Word. How do we get revived? By the Word of God. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. You know, this world can only bring death. Eventually, we all face that, don't we? But God's Word brings life. And when, as a Christian, when we believe, or even before we're a Christian, when we believe in Christ as our sacrifice, we get a new life, don't we? It says that we're a new creation, that we're born again. 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. How are we born again? By the word of God. By trusting in the word. And it offers hope in a hopeless world. We saw that before. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your, in your word. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. You know, early in the day, when maybe those things were going on in your mind throughout the night, go back to him, seek him, cry for help, and then read his word. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians. Good hope. And it imparts wisdom. Do you want with the wisdom of God for your life? Or do you want to continue on your own path? Verse 66 in Psalm 119, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. And then he goes on in verse 100, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. You know, this was written thousands of years ago, but he understood that he was at a place that he could understand more fully because he had scriptures that he would, could go to the psalmist, that he could refer to, that he could gain wisdom from. And it brings comfort. More than 60 verses in Psalm 119 alone speak of persecution or trials. And the psalmist finds his refuge from these troubles in the word of God. In verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Think about when you go to a funeral. How many times or why is scripture usually part of the service? That's, that's I believe, because it's really the only thing that can bring comfort especially in times of sorrow. And it illuminates our way. And this is the first verse I memorized when I was a Christian. When I was, I was new to the Bible, I didn't know anything about it. I'm reading through the Psalms, and I come across Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Boy, did I need that. I didn't know where I was going. 
I needed God's word to illuminate my way. And what I love about this verse is, too, because we want to know kind of the end of the road, but God just lights up right at our feet, gives us that next step to take. When he sees our obedience, we step into that, and he shows us the next step. He lights our feet and our path for the road ahead. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So now, finishing up, what is our response? We see what the Bible offers. We see that God wants it to be a priority in our life. So what is our response? We're supposed to love the Scriptures. We're supposed to meditate on them. And how do we show our love for Jesus? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, keep his word. And we're supposed to study. He's going to teach us wonderful things throughout his word. His word. And we're supposed to memorize. Now, I think that we've gotten a lot away from memorization of Scripture. Scripture should be able to come back to our minds when, when there's a time of need or when we're reaching out to people. We should be able to... And listen, it says in the Bible that when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will bring those things to our minds. Praise the Lord for that, because some of us don't have such a great memory. And as we get older, we start to forget more, more than we've ever remembered, really. But we should, we should memorize Scripture. So it says in verse 11, Your word I've hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. When there's a temptation there, the word of God should enter into our minds to keep us from that. So we walk down another path. We need God's word in our heart to help us navigate this broken world. And meditate. Meditate on his scriptures. I meditate Let them go over and over in your mind. Mull them over. We turn it over in our minds, and it's a way of producing fruit in our lives. And we're supposed to be obedient. The words that speak of the action of obedience, to walk, to keep, to seek, to look, to learn, to do no iniquity, not be ashamed. All of those things, those are action words. That's our response to the Word of God. And it should be evident that we're in in the Word on a regular basis by our actions, by those things that we do. And we're supposed to declare the Scriptures to others. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. And, declare, and I have declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. All of these verses in Psalm 119. And our declaration of the Scriptures to others should also be with our actions that people see. So in conclusion, we see that even by its length, the longest chapter in the Bible, we see that this psalm extols the Scriptures. It lifts it up to a greater uh, level of importance. And our response is to take that exhortation and to live it out, to live it out. Our obedience to God's Word shows others how highly we regard it, how, how seriously We desire to walk in a way that pleases God. So that people will see that response. So let's take the Bible as believers who want to go out of these doors and live in a way that glorifies God, that others may desire to know Him more and to want to get into His Word. Why do we teach the Bible at every service here? So we can delight in it so we can long for it, so we can love it, so we can seek it, so we can take comfort in it, so we can rejoice in it, cling to it, 
trust? Do you trust? Do you put your hope in the Bibles? In the Bible? Do you believe it? Do you really, really believe the Bible? And do you learn it? Meditate? Do you know it? And do you keep it? Do you keep it? Matthew Henry, the great commentator on his uh, commentary on this psalm, he says, thus the psalmist concludes the psalm with a penitent sense of his own sin and believing dependence on God's grace. That's what the Bible should do for us. Show us God's grace in relationship to our sinful life. With these, a devout Christian will conclude his duties, conclude his life. He will live and die repenting and praying. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christians? Believe, repent, pray, and live out the Bible. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.